Amen, Stephen. Welcome, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Mike and Flick, for the great worship. Thanks, Stephen, for doing that, yeah, sharing with us of the communion. We're looking forward to a great morning this morning. I've got to, we've got a good message. It's great to be together as a family. We love you. We miss you. Can't wait to be together again. But in the meantime, here we are on screen. Yeah, and it's so nice. We, we love it when we see Mike and Flick and then uh, whoever's doing communion, Stephen, this morning. It's so nice to connect in that small way to others in our church family. So we love seeing you guys. And now, as always, we're imagining you there as we speak to you. And um, we, we're really aware that at this time, even though things are opening up, it's still not easy to fully connect. We can't yet meet fully as we usually do as a body. And we're so aware that it's so um, difficult and not an easy place to be in. Um, we're doing things to try and get us to come together a little bit with the social distancing in. So there are a few plans um, on the table until we can start fully meeting, which is uh, in the future, not such a, a, a long time ahead, but for now we do have to keep uh, meeting like this. Um, I do um, want you to get together it's, you know, in, in, a, in a right way. Um, so that you can connect with others, keep giving people phone calls, meet together in gardens. Now I think we can have one or two people in our Yeah, we, we really want to encourage you to do that, to start connecting as, as families together, you know, households together. Uh, great time to do that. You could connect as households for one of the Zoom Bible studies. You could watch this together on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But you know, we, we can't make you do that, but it would be so valuable to so many of you if you did connect in that way. So I want to encourage you to do that, but, you know, we all need to take responsibility for it. Uh, but be encouraged. Uh, it is getting closer when we can meet again, but it's still a while off yet. Yeah. And keep coming on to all the things that we're doing. That connection is really important. Um, as I was thinking about this, and it, it, I think... It was really touching my heart as we've been in this lockdown time now for a number of months and, and I have been praying about it, about it. I've been praying for you guys and a couple of scriptures, one that I brought a few weeks ago, another one uh, also that I just want to bring to you. It's really spoken to me as I've been meditating on it. Um, so we're looking at James chapter 5 and uh, from uh, verse 7 and 8, and then 13 and 15. And I just want to, to read these to you because um, it's it's really helped me. And then we're going to go into Philippians 4, 6 to 9, which I uh, brought a few weeks ago. Um, so from 7 to 15, uh, James 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, that's, that's us, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Jesus is coming back. I don't think it'll be long. I, I feel that we're moving into those end times where he will be coming back. So let's consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming 
the Lord is near. And this really spoke to me. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. And are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with the oil in the name of the Lord. And I just felt at this time that if we're feeling that we're in hardship, pray, because God hears, he's for us, he's with us, and he has those answers. And if we're in a time where we feel happy and joyful, then let's sing his praises, for the Lord is good, and he is with us all the time. If any of us are sick, then we can pray for each other. We can anoint each other with oil. At the moment, if we can't touch each other, um, we can put the oil on ourselves and then we can pray. And we've been doing that in all of our prayer meetings. And for anybody that's sick this morning, um, I just want to take this opportunity now to pray over you. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will bring healing anointing, that balm, that anointing oil to flood you in your body. I thank you that healing is provided for us. I thank you that you are a God who desires us to be healed and whole and well so that we can jump up and down and sing praises to you. And even in our sick bed, knowing that you are there for us, we can get up and sing praises to you. So Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will fill every person now that needs healing in their body with that healing presence and anointing. In the name of Jesus we pray. Um, just going on to Philippians. Um, get it. And I just want to speak this over us as well. Because I think this is another key thing for this time. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's that call to prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. While we're waiting for healing, while we're waiting for answers, with thanksgiving, we can fix our eyes on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learnt. You know all of these things. Keep putting them into practice. Keep praying. Keep praising. Um, keep presenting to Father everything that we need with thanksgiving in our hearts. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard me uh, doing, that you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. 
You have an amazing word that's been given to us to be able to stand on. Everything that we see Jesus, that he did on the earth, everything that we um, see that Paul did as we read the word, if we put these into practice, they will work. I know that. I'm standing on these things. And I just want to encourage you to stand on these things too, that the God of peace will enter our hearts at this time and keep us strong as we keep going through this time. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Oh, just one thing before we move on. And uh, Mark's got a, a brilliant first part of a series that I'm really excited to hear. Uh, it's Nathan Gray's birthday today. Yay! Yes. Happy birthday, Nathan. Happy birthday, Nathan. Uh, we just pray blessings on you now. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you soon. So I hope you're doing some great birthday celebrations. And this comes with our love and big happy birthday from Faith Life Family. Amen. 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 Good. So, uh, great preach coming up now. I'm just going to pray over you. Yeah. And, uh, no pressure there then. No pressure no. there. <laughs> I'm speaking that out in faith. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Mark who brings your word. I ask for your anointing to be on him now. Soften our hearts to receive your word. May it change us as we go from this place into our week. May we be changed because of the word that you, I know, are going to explode within us. So Holy Spirit, fill our homes now with your presence. Let us hear from you. We delight in you and to be close to you. God, I thank you for the word that is coming through Mark into our hearts now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Anyway, thanks everybody for all praying last week. As you can see, I'm not on crutches anymore, so we've made real uh, advancing faith there. Um, just before I preach, uh, God just laid it on my heart, really, well, just before this meeting, um, that I just want to pray into one, one thing. He, he showed the wealth. The, the way I sense things for words and knowledge and so on is I physically sense them. And uh, I was physically sensing, as I was asking God, if he, do you want to do anything this morning, I was physically sensing uh, sharp pains at the top of my right calf. Now, that's not where I've had the problem, so that, that wasn't me. Um, and, you know, as soon as I acknowledged them, they, they went. So. I believe that God wants to heal somebody this morning. He wants to heal everything, but particularly wants to raise your faith that you've had a, a problem, maybe you've injured your right calf, maybe you, you've just had a lot of pain down it. And uh, I'm just going to pray for that now. We're going to take authority over that. And uh, what I want you to do is, uh, when, when that's healed, I want you to either email the office or send a message on Facebook or put it on the, the live stream right now. But Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you have paid for healing of every part of our body. And right now, I speak to that calf. I speak into the spiritual realm and command to manifest in the physical realm healing of that calf, restoration of that calf. All joints, all tendons, all muscles be restored in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, so this morning, we're starting a new series. I love starting a new series. I love preaching a new series. And this one's called How to Kick the Devil Out of Your Life. 
Um, no idea how long it's going to be, probably about three or four weeks. But I just wanted to really start by kind of a reflection. Where did, where did this come from? Where did this idea come from to, to actually talk about this? Well, one of the things I've noticed over the years of my, in my Christian walk, and over the years that we've been doing the, the Faith Life Churches, is that um, when we make some headway, when we move forward, either in our personal lives or as a church, when, when, when God starts to, to move in our lives, it seems that we, we, we come up against opposition, we come up against the bumper, and there's something that comes along that tries to throw us off. And you might experience that in your own life. Every time you, you're kind of making some headway, every time you're starting to move forward, it's almost like uh, something immediately comes. Now, sometimes people react to that by going, oh, I'll just give up, I'll just give up. Well, that's not the answer. Because the fact that we are getting the kickback, the fact that the enemy is trying to get into our life, is that... We are making progress, we are succeeding, we are taking ground, we are seeing victories, and that's why we're getting some opposition. He's not going to be bothered with you if you're not making headway. If life's easy, it's because sometimes that we're not moving forward. He's not facing the challenge. He's limited in his resource, he's limited in his ability, he's limited in the number of, uh, of uh, kind of mini demons that he's got to... That, that help him and that means he concentrates where people are making headway where churches are making headway and it might be that that's something that you've been seeing something you've been feeling something you've experienced in your life so we're going to address that now over the next few weeks and uh, i'm just going to begin with it with the statement now people who who don't understand about spiritual things don't get this but the truth is the devil is real and demons are real. How do I know that? Well, I know that because Jesus said he was real. Jesus encountered him in the wilderness, and Jesus dealt with demons. And it's no different today. Unfortunately, a lot of people um, have kind of got the idea, both in the church and outside the church, that it's just all not real. Somehow, uh, the devil's not real, and so anything that bad that happens... They, they, they stop attributing it to the activities of the enemy in our life and stop attributing it to our own flesh and pick the wrong candidate and start blaming God. And because of that, we, we've got into all sorts of problems in our thinking, our, our theology. It's really hard to take authority over the enemy and kick him out of your life. It's really hard to see bodies here, lives changed, uh, people set free if we think it's God. But the truth is, Jesus said, the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he's very real, he's very active. You know, the truth is, in life today, is that there is a, there's a greater spiritual reality. This physical reality we see around us came from the spiritual reality when God created the heavens and the earth. And there is a, a spiritual reality which is even more real than the physical reality around us. And Paul puts it like this, he says, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Flesh and blood isn't the real problem, although the, 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 the spiritual manifests through flesh and blood. But flesh and blood isn't the real problem, but we're wrestling uh, principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness in this age. Um, 
spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And he says that in Ephesians 6. So what he's saying there is that there is a spiritual influence in the world that is evil. And that is behind a lot of the evil that we see. That is behind this creating a culture that is turning its back on God right now and substituting uh, all sorts of uh, ideas and morals that are not biblical. And, and it's that push from the enemy infiltrating our cultures. You see, what, what Paul also says is that the, the devil and, and these dark spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, they are active in the lives of unbelievers. And unbelievers affect the culture. The same way as us as believers, kingdom people, are called to affect the culture positively, unbelievers affect the culture. And, and Paul puts it like this. He says, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So unbelievers walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And you can, you can, if you want to read that, if you want to go and study that, that's in Ephesians chapter 2. So what I'm saying is this, that the thinking of the world that we are experiencing and living in right now is affected by the prince of the power of the air, these forces of wickedness working through unbelievers. And... Um, it's the, the culture around it is also affected by the pressures that creates and you know sometimes it's even affected by the thinking of believers um, instead of taking ground instead of uh, reaching out instead of going and, 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 and making disciples we, we in some ways we've chosen to sit within the safety of our church walls and, and, and the world has been closing in and in on us all, all these last decades. And now, now we've got a real problem on our hands because we, the, the enemy is taking the ground that we've given to him. And it's time to fight back. It's time to go back. And so in doing that, we need to understand how the enemy operates and what he's about. So I want to, to, you to turn with me a key passage that we're going to be looking at in this series, and it's from 1 Peter chapter 5. That's 1 Peter chapter 5. You see, the, the good news is this. Uh, you have been delivered as a born-again believer from the dominion of darkness, that though those things are still real, but they are, do not have the ability to dominate you or push you around. You are spirit-enabled, spirit-empowered, spirit-filled to live differently and to walk differently. So over, over this series, what we're going to be looking at is, is the different ways we can kick the devil and kick the devil out of our life. So we're going to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, resisting firmly in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are experienced by your brothers throughout the world. Okay, so let's just, before we go on any further, let's just have a look at that verse 8. Be sober and watchful, or be sober and vigilant. You, you, you'll have different translations, but what I want you to see is that word, 
be vigilant. Be vigilant. Now, just outside our house, last year we, we bought ourselves a caravan. And uh, one of the things that you quickly find about caravans, one of the things that they tell you about is that they are easily stealable because they've got wheels and they can be hitched up to anybody with a tow bar. So you, you normally take out insurance in your caravan, but they have tracker alarms fitted on them. And that tracker alarm uh, is sensitive to any, any sort of infringement of the perimeter of the caravan. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, I set it wrongly and, and left the door open. So Merrily went off to bed, gust of wind came along, the tracker alarm went off, there's this big noise out on our drive, and my phone starts ringing. Because the guys at the control centre were ringing me to tell me that something had impinged on the perimeter of my caravan and set the alarms off. And, and had it been stolen. So I was able to, to go downstairs, have a look, say, no, I'm an idiot, I left the door open, the wind's come in, it set the alarm off, and I'll just set it properly now. But that word has that idea of being vigilant. It's on high alert. It's like a, the, the idea that he's talking about is a kind of a perimeter alarm that you put around your life, a security system around your life that you put there to keep out the enemy. And why do we do that? We do that because the enemy is a thief. He comes to steal. Now let me, let me make that really clear for you. The enemy has a certain quality. He is a kleptomaniac. He steals because he enjoys it. He steals because that's how he's wired. And it's his nature to steal. He is a kleptomaniac. So the question is, how do we stop him from stealing from our life? Because there's, there's a number of you sat there thinking, my life, I've just had stuff stolen from me. Things haven't uh, been the way they should have been. They haven't turned out the way they should have done. And the enemy's got in and he's stolen in our life. Now here's, here's the, the, the next thing that that Paul, uh, Peter says, he says, your adversary the devil goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Now, let's start with the bad news because that's the goal of the enemy, to devour. Now, uh, some of you know that I really enjoy uh, studying some of the Greek and, and, and one, of, one of the great uh, books that I've read on this is, is Rick Renner's Sparking Gems from the Greek and, and when we get to this word devour, I was, I was shocked to find out what, what it means. Because we might think it's kind of eating the meat and you know, ripping the flesh, but it, it, it goes beyond that because the word translated devour is actually a Greek word which means to slurp the juices off the plate. To slurp the juices off the plate. And the, the, the picture that's been created there is of a lion who is licking the blood of its prey off the ground, having pulled it apart. And that's the devil's, that's the enemy's goal in our life, to pull us apart, to pull our emotions apart, to pull our relationships apart, to separate us from our possessions and our health, and that's what his goal is, because he wants to drain you of the life of God in you. His goal isn't simply to pull you apart, although that 
that that is part of it because he is he does steal and he is out to kill and destroy but what he's really trying to do is to drain the god life out of you so that you go i've had enough of this i'm giving up that's his goal and that's the moment he comes in and, and slips the blood up and says okay then go i've won and we are going to stop him winning in our lives you see he doesn't want to just maul you he wants to totally destroy you so that it leaves nothing he wants to take everything he's not sympathetic towards you he's not helpful towards you he wants to take everything and we get told to be in that context sober what does that mean well it means to think straight to think clearly you know to have presence of mind and clear judgment not controlled by our whims and not controlled by our emotions not controlled by our impulses in other words peter's saying you have to have your wits about you in this thing and very often when stuff comes along the enemy tries to steal the enemy tries to separate the enemy tries to get hold of our emotions he tries he tries to pull at us when we get in that position our response is anything but clear judgment anything but having our wits about us our, our emotions run wild our thinking runs wild we, we start acting on impulse and then we end up making things worse so peter what he's saying is when that perimeter alarm goes off your response is to say hold on a minute i'm gonna th- i'm just gonna slow down i'm not gonna react i'm gonna think clearly about this what do i know i know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world i know i am more than a conqueror i know that nothing is impossible for me because christ is in me i know that god is on my side i know that i have the promises of god to rely on and i am coming through this and enemy you are not stealing anymore you are not coming in you are not taking this from me this is my right this is what i've been given as an inheritance through the price that jesus paid and you are no you are not taking it you are not getting hold of it you see the issue comes down to this that peter describes him as the adversary your adversary the devil now understand that he's not on your side he's not sympathetic the, the only time he might sound sympathetic because he's trying to trap you to steal from you and there is nothing nice about him jesus says there's no truth in him no truth everything he says is a lie everything he says about you is a lie everything he says to you is a lie everything he plants in your mind that tries to make you feel helpless or so emotional that you're unable to cope it's a lie and, and that's what, it, what he's doing you see that word adversary is the greek word antidikos antidikos now where i'm coming from out of all this before i explain that word antidikos is the first thing we can do to kick the devil out of our life and what this passage is talking about is to not let him in in the first place to let when the alarm goes off we deal with it we don't let him in in the first place so the, the, the kick out factor number one is I, I, I like to think of it the kick out factor number one is don't let him in don't let him in who are we not letting in we're not letting in the adversary 
Do not let in the adversary. And, uh, you know, this word adversary, antidikos, what does that mean? That word antidikos in, 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 the, in the Greek language means a lawyer who argues in court. He's a particular type of lawyer in that he is a prosecutor. So he's a prosecuting lawyer. And he brings charges against a person based on some legal violations and he says they're guilty. He brings charges, he accuses, and it's based on evidence. You know, he can't just bring random charges. He, he, he has to have information in his hand of things that have been done wrong. And when he gets that, he intends to take that person down because he's a prosecutor. And what, what he does, what an anti-decos does, uh, a prosecuting lawyer does, is he presents evidence of things that took place. He, he presents his case, uh, he digs in and he tries to tie you up and tie up the defendant in knots. He tries to get at your mind. He tries to play games with your mind. He tries to play games with your emotions. And, and he uses unbelievers and those walking in the flesh around you. And he slants those facts. He slants that evidence because he's a prosecutor. He, he, he slants them in a way that is detrimental and condemning towards you. And then what he tries to do and what he's good at is his job is to convince others of your failures, your wrongdoings and your guilt. So that's who he is, that's how he sees himself, that's the function that he performs. Now, I just want to uh, nip over to Luke chapter 12, because it throws some more light on this. Luke chapter 12, uh, and I'm looking at verse 58. I'm not going to be here very long, so you might not, uh, just, you might not really need to turn over to that yourselves. Um, Luke chapter 12, verse 58. When you go with... No, I'll start with it. Why even among yourselves do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, as you are on the way, diligently try to settle matters with him, lest he drags you to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, and the officer will throw you in prison. I tell you, you shall not come out from there until you've paid the very last penalty. Now, it's really easy to misinterpret that passage, but what I want to see you to see there is it's that word adversary again, that word antidecos. And what it's describing here is a legal process built on evidence of wrongdoing. And that is acting, and, and when we talk about, talk about the judge, we, 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 it's talking about a worldly judge, a, a, a corrupt system, a, a system that is trying to find you guilty. Now, Jesus paid for all our sins. When we do stuff wrong, he's paid for that sin. God is not remembering those sins. They are as far as the east is from the west, as, so far as I removed you from them. However, what we, we can often miss and not understand, and why the devil often has a field day in our life, is that whilst those things aren't an issue to God, they are an issue to us. Because we live in a world that the enemy is active in, a world that our flesh is active in, 
And those things have an effect on us. So we have to remember our standing before God and use that in order to defeat the enemy. But if we don't use that, we will let the enemy into our life. The perimeter fence will come down, the alarm won't go off, we'll ignore the, or it will go off, and we'll ignore the alarm, and the enemy will start walking into our life and he'll start stealing from us. Because what he's looking, he's looking for, for, for violations of spiritual law. Now, I'm not talking about Old Testament law here. I'm talking about spiritual law. Under the New Covenant, there's two ways of living. There's the law of the spirit of life, and there's the law of the sin and death. The law of the spirit of life supersedes and is greater than the law of sin and death. And if we walk according to the flesh, then we, we start reaping some of the consequences of that walking according to the flesh. So he's trying to get in to show us where we failed and to get us in a such a state that we don't react in the way that's going to kick him out. And so we start to reap the consequences of things because he gets into our hearts, he gets into our minds, he gets into our thinking and he starts to steal and destroy. And it's also unnecessary if we know how to deal with them. And that, that's the point that Peter's making. You need to know how to deal with them. Now again, I'm just going to take you to another passage. I'm going to take you to Ephesians 4 verse 27. Ephesians 4 verse 27. Do not give place to the devil. Okay, that, That's all I want you to see at the moment. It's in a passage that's talking uh, uh, about how anger can lead us into sin. But the, 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 the particular thing I want you to see is this. Do not give place to the devil. Do not give place to the devil. The, the, the way we defeat the devil most effectively is not to give him a place in the first place not to give him a place in the first place you see he's looking for entry points into our life parts of our life that are not yielded up to god parts of our life that are therefore left unguarded because the perimeter fence the alarm system is down when we hold back parts of our life from God, the alarm system goes down. Just like I left that door on the caravan open, the alarm system is down. It, 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 it might go off, it might not go off, but the enemy can get in. And he's looking for those places. He's looking for that door that is open. So, for instance, if there's an unresolved conflict in relationships in our church family, those conflict points become entry points for the enemy into our church. And, and I guess whatever church you've been in, in, in your Christian walk, you've seen some of that. Because the enemy is really skilled at exploiting that entry point 
of uh, strife, of conflict in relationships to get into churches. And once he starts doing that, he starts bringing division, he starts bringing separation, and, and that gives us problems. And when he gets in, he gets footholds. He gets footholds in our relationships, he gets footholds in the church, and he uses that to what? To devour. He uses that to tear apart. He uses that to destroy. Once he gets in, he helps us to build walls, but they're different types of walls. They're walls of separation. They're walls that we put bricks in and it has written right across every brick in that wall offence, bitterness and unforgiveness. And it gets into, our, into the body of Christ through an entry point, a, 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 a fracture in the relationship and he gets in and he builds those walls of offence, bitterness and unforgiveness. And that's what brings division and stops the body of Christ taking ground in the world outside and pushing back the kingdom that has been pushing at us that we have been hiding in our churches from. That word in Ephesians, don't give place to the devil, that word place is, is a Greek word and it's tropos. Um, no it's not, it's topos. Topos, topos. It's when we get our word topographical from, you know, all of, to do with maps and and places and what it means is a specific marked out geographical location a specific marked out geographical location and what he's doing he's looking for those zones or locations in our lives to get into he's after territory in our hearts and after territory in our minds he's a territory he's a territorial enemy He's looking to take territory. And so, if he wants it all, which he does, he starts with an entry point. That's why the first thing, the first kick-out factor is not to let him in. To have our perimeter fence guarded against these things. You see, there's all sorts of entry points that come up. For instance, uh, entry points that the enemy uses is a refusal to let go of our hurts. You know, in order for Jesus to heal our hurts, we need to let them go. And, and, and if you're anything like me over time, you've got kind of used to giving your hurts to Jesus and then grabbing them back again the very next day. And, and the enemy can use that to get further access to our life. Um, you know, not another entry point, not acknowledging when we've done wrong. There's kind of something that exists, I, I guess, in... It exists in the world outside the church, but it also exists in the church these days, is that we don't admit we've done wrong. What we tend to do is we tend to say, yes, that was wrong, but it was because of this that's happened in my life, and this that that person did to me, and therefore it's their fault. And the, unless we acknowledge ourselves what the issue is, it makes it really difficult for God to help us. Because... Instead of saying and owning what we have personally done wrong, we're trying to attribute that to other things. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't real. They are very real. 
But we need to own our own actions, our own thoughts, our own responses before God so that he can heal it. But also so we don't give the, the enemy an entry point into our life where, where we, 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 are, we are reacting and doing things wrong, but, but we're blaming it on somebody else and something else and something that's happened in our life. You see, the truth is about a believer, we are not the victims of what has happened to us. We do not have to stay in that place because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. For a believer, there is hope. For a believer, there is a future to look forward to. For a believer, there are good things to come. For a believer, we have an inheritance to step into. For a believer, we will live for eternity with our king and we will rule over cities and nations and areas. And, and there is so much for us, but the devil is trying to steal all that for us for, by getting our eyes off our hope and on to our hurts, our pain, the things that have happened to us. And he's trying to slow us down. He's trying to get us looking backwards when the gospel calls us forwards. And so that's an entry point by which he gets in. You know, when we refuse to give, forgive, it's an entry point. When we refuse to say, I'm sorry, it's an entry point. You know, let me, this is kind of like a little bugbear of mine, but just let me say this. Saying, I'm sorry you found that offensive, is not the same as saying sorry. Sorry says, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I said that. Saying, I'm sorry you chose to react like that to what I did, which was perfectly okay. That's not saying sorry. And so many times I hear people say sorry in that way, not taking responsibility for their own actions, but saying it's your issue because the way you reacted. That's not sorry. We are the first to forgive. We are the first to say sorry. We are the first to reconcile. Paul says, so far as it is down to you, seek to live in peace with all men. Life, life is just too complicated when we try and work out all the things that are going on. We just need to live in the simplicity of the gospel, living at peace with men, saying sorry, asking for forgiveness, forgiving others, even when we think it might not be us. So it's really important because these are entry points that the devil is. Let me, let me just uh, give you a, a slightly uh, different thing. You know, debt. You know, debt is an entry point for the enemy. Now, if you're in debt, then God can help you move out of that debt. But the enemy will say to you, that credit card debt, you can solve that by putting it on a different credit card. So you can get the pressure off for a little while and get another credit card and get another credit card and another credit card. And people get more and more into debt by doing that. And what God is saying is, I can help you change your life so you can move out of debt. So all these things are entry points to the devil. You know, for me, you know, we... we over the last few weeks, we've seen the result in our life where the enemy has tried to steal my health and my ability to get around. Why is that? Because I gave him an entry point. I didn't rest. I didn't take time off. And because there's been so much going on, I haven't had rest. I didn't have time off. 
So therefore I didn't recover. Therefore, when I was out in the garden, when I was putting sheets on the bed, when I was getting a simple thing like a cup out of a dishwasher, that was enough to mess up my leg for a few weeks. So we need to, 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 to do things and not give the enemy entry points. I, I, hopefully you're understanding what I'm saying by now. Okay, so let me, let me just wrap this up to show you uh, really kind of how this works. Do not give place for the devil, devil. When he says do not give place, that means it's up to you. It's not, it doesn't say God will stop the devil getting a place. You know, some, uh, some people have, and, and believers go into this thinking, well, you know, the devil shouldn't have any operation in my life because Jesus has already won the victory. Yes, he has. And he's given us the victory. He's given us the ability to, he's transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he's given us the authority. And we are the ones that have to use that authority. We are the ones that need to be sober. We are the ones that need to be vigilant. We are the ones that need to set our alarms and our perimeter fence. And then we can deal with things. We deal with the devil. We are the enforcers of the victory of Christ. If we do not enforce, the devil will use that. How do I know that? Because, you know, our sins are paid for by Jesus at the cross. End of story. Once and for all sacrifice. He gave his grace, which is eternal life, healing, uh, deliverance, freedom. And, and in Romans, Paul says, sin shall not dominate you because you are no longer under the law, but under grace. And the, we have been set free from the dominion of sin. So that's dealt with. But the enemy can use that sin and that areas of our life that we haven't yielded to God to get in and steal and kill and destroy that's not that God hasn't finished forgiving us. He has. It's not that our sins aren't paid for. They are. But the enemy seeks to use it. And if we don't know who we are, we don't know the authority we've been given, and we carry on acting in ways that keep making that entry point bigger and bigger, he will use it to steal. Here's what Paul says, and this is Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 18. Um, and he's saying, answer this question, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Do you not know? Now this is very important. Do we not know? Faith life, do we not know? Mark Baines, do you not know? Do you not understand this, Mark Baines? Do you not understand this, faith life? Do you not understand this, church? That to whom you yield yourselves as slaves to obey, this is talking to believers, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thanks be for God, for you were slaves of sin, but now you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and having been free from sin, that's who we are, free from sin, you became a slave of righteousness. We, we are owned by righteousness. We are not all owned by the enemy anymore. We're not owned by sin anymore. We are owned, lock, stock and barrel, by the Lord of our life, Jesus Christ. We are owned by the righteous one. 
And then he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you have yielded your members of slaves to impurity and iniquity, leading to more iniquity, even so now yield your members as slaves to righteousness and to holiness. And, it, and it's this, this phrase, do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves to obey, you are slaves as the one you obey? And what, what he's saying is this, that the reality of what God has done for us, of setting us free from the dominion of sin, and, and being one who is owned by pure righteousness, is this, we have to yield our lives to him. Otherwise, the enemy is going to get in and he's going to use it to steal, kill and destroy in our life. It's, it's, a, it's a warning, you know. The, the very fact that Jesus has saved us all by grace through faith does not mean the enemy has stopped trying to steal, kill and destroy. And we need to understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we need to put our perimeter fences up. We need to set our alarms, you know, like shut the doors, lock the doors at night, shut the gates, lock the gates. You know, you'd be a fool these days if you had a, a laptop or a computer that did not have on it antivirus software. Why do you need that? Because there's people out there trying to steal, kill and destroy. Does that mean your laptop's defective? No. Does it mean there's a fault in your laptop? No. But, because you didn't have the antivirus software, you weren't vigilant. And the enemy, the hacker, got in and he's stealing your personal details, he's stealing your bank accounts, he's stealing everything about you, and probably you clicked a few buttons that gave him permission to steal. And it's so important that we, we live as believers with our antivirus software fully installed. That we're not unaware of the things of the devil. And, and that we seek to, to go after Jesus in a way that we live in ways that do not give him entry points. Because he's out to devour. He's out to, to tear our, our churches and our lives apart and lick up the blood afterwards. Because that's who he is. He's a kleptomaniac. He's a devourer. And we need to be aware that he has no rights, no rights in our life whatsoever. Jesus nailed everything that was against us to the cross and the enemy has no rights whatsoever. So don't fall for his mind games. Don't fall for his tricks. Don't fall for that accusing, prosecuting lawyer who wants to get in and do not let him have access to your life by saying, well, that's just who you are. That's just the way you are. That's, you know, you can't stop this. This is because this happened to you in your life and that happened to you in your life and this happened to you. No, Jesus gives you fresh life, new life every morning and we do not let the enemy in. Amen. 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 Okay, so, you know, there might be some people listening to this who, who just don't know Jesus, don't have him as their saviour. So you're not able to do this, and the enemy is having a field day in your life. And some of us listening to this are thinking, oh my goodness, I, you know, I can see the effect of some of the things where, where I've let him into my life. And I'm just going to ask you now to pray with me. If you, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. I just want you to follow along. Father, 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I put your, my trust in Jesus as Lord of my life and as my Saviour. And I ask you, as I do that, to do what you have promised, to move me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. I ask you to give me new life so that I may be born again. So I ask you to give me the Holy Spirit to bring my spirit alive so that I am set free from the dominion of sin in my life. I ask that in Jesus' name. And I welcome you, Jesus, as Lord and Saviour. And where we're aware of areas of our life that aren't just yielding up to God at the moment, let's just, let's just lay them before him. Father, I yield this area of my life to you. I recognise that it's given the enemy an entry point in my life. And right now, I give you that area of my life and I kick the enemy out of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Coming back, eh? I'm coming back. <laughs> We always have this thing like, if I don't get up, I've not really got anything to say. You close the meeting and every week I think I just need to come and just speak to you because what Mark has just been sharing has really um, got my heart. Uh, this is going to be a really great series. Um, that really spoke to me. I think it's so important for us as the body of Christ to get these truths really down in our heart. And uh, I think I'll, I'll probably come up every week and just say this. Re-listen. You know, there is so much in there. I kept thinking, oh, that's a little sentence that I could meditate on and really get, get into my spirit. Um, words that I hear, but they've gone. And it's just like, I need to re-listen to that. And one of the little notes when Matt was talking about the caravan that I wrote down that really spoke to me, I just want to share it with you. Um, so if we think about the caravan, uh, if we leave the door open and don't put the alarm on, or maybe we put the alarm on and if it goes off but we don't hear it, or if we hear it, we don't know what to do, then the enemy gets in. And if we think about our heart in that way, our soul, you know, if we leave it wide open because we don't know some of these things that Mark has just been preaching, and the alarm then might go off. Oh my goodness, I feel I'm under attack. This is happening. But we don't know what to do. Then the enemy will get in. And it's so important to keep that door shut. And over these next weeks, we will find out how to keep the door shut. It is easy to open that door. You know, we know we get into that stuff of offence, just using that one for example because we I think that's probably one of the easiest things that we do we go into offense and then the enemy gets in 
then if we open that door, that's how we did it. But if we keep that door shut, if we keep the alarm on, so if there is a little intruder trying to get in, the alarm will be triggered. And if we follow these things that we are going to learn over these next weeks, which is the word, and have that word in our heart, so the alarm's triggered and it's like, I know what to do, because this is what the word says. Uh, you know, he, he's prowling around, I know what to do. Then he can't get in. And I think in these, all the time, but particularly in the Zen days, the enemy is doing a final onslaught on the body of Christ. And we need to know who we are, who is in us, and how to put that into operation. It is so important. And we can only stand here and help you guys. You know, the whole of the body of Christ can do this, but we can only speak to you and encourage you to listen. Then go and read the word. Mark will bring the word. There's, there's um, Peter, there is Paul, um, all of the things that we've listened to this morning, all of those verses, they are saying to us, this is how you keep him out. And if he starts to get in, this is how you shut him out and kick him out. Because we don't want to let him have any tiny bit of our lives, ever, and particularly not at this time. So I just, again, really encourage you to go and re-listen. Um, I will re-listen, because I know if I don't, that that Mark has just said uh, will not get down into my heart. We have to meditate on the word and let the Holy Spirit get us strong. Amen. 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 So if you responded to that prayer, if you said that prayer for the first time, or, or you responded to that prayer, we'd love to know, we'd love to help you, we'd love to get some materials to you, we'd love to give you some help. So yeah. email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk, office at faithlifechurch.org.uk, or just uh, send us a message on Facebook, uh, we, we, we'll respond to those, but just let us know. But also, uh, if you were healed as we were praying, if you if you were, yeah. uh, you know, you, you feel a difference in your body, we'd love to know those things as well, so we can share those testimonies and be encouraged. So, so faith life, everybody else who's listening, uh, be blessed, yeah. be strong, and have a great week. We love you guys. Worship five thirty and then six forty-five, and get on there and let's be together. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week.